Prophet Zechariah says, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hopes be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. People of Cokesbury Church, the time has come to rejoice. And I don't mean the easygoing, carefree, yeah, we're kind of happy joy, but jumping up on the pews, clapping your hands together, throwing them up in the air, praising the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Behold, our King comes to us. He is triumphant and mighty and victorious. He comes humbly on the back of a donkey. He will destroy the tanks of armies and the defenses of countries. The missiles and the guns and the weapons will be obliterated and peace will reign. Our donkey riding king will rule from east to west, now and forever. We've got reason to celebrate. Our king frees us from the waterless pit of our despair and our depression. We, prisoners of hope, have been delivered. Or maybe we don't feel much like celebrating Perhaps our lives don't match up with the glory described by the prophet Zechariah. Maybe the world is a little too broken for peace to rain down like waters. Perhaps we don't feel like dancing and shouting and jumping up on the pews because we're stuck in a pit. A pit of anger or of bitterness or fear or shame or even loneliness. There was once a man who was walking down the street all by himself when all of a sudden a hole was there in the ground and he fell right into the bottom of it. And the hole was so deep and the walls were so steep that he couldn't get back out. He tried clawing his way up but nothing worked so he just started screaming, Somebody help me! I'm stuck down here in a pit. And just then a doctor walked up. And the doctor had his stethoscope around his neck and he looked down in the hole at the man. He said, please help me. Doctor, I'm stuck down here. Can you please get somebody? Can you do something to help me out? The doctor thought about it for a moment. He reached into his pocket. He wrote the man a prescription and he threw it in. And then he just kept walking on his merry way. The man kept screaming, somebody please help me out of this pit. And just then, a preacher walked up. He said, Reverend, help me. I'm stuck down here in this pit. Please. The pastor thought about it for a moment. He put his hands together. He said a prayer for the young man. And he kept walking. Third. Was that sweet old lady who used to teach Sunday school every Sunday. You know the kind of lady I'm talking about. Small but mighty. And she came to the edge of the pit and she looked down. And then said, please help me. I've been stuck down here to... Preacher ignored me. The doctor ignored me. Please help me out. And she said, son, don't you know that God helps those who help themselves? And she kept on walking. Finally, a friend of the young man arrived at the edge of the pit. He said, what are you doing down there? He said, please help me. I've been stuck and everyone's ignored me. I need your help. And the young man jumped down into the hole with his friend. He said, you idiot! Now we're both stuck down here. The friend said, yeah, I know. But I've been here before. And I know the way out. 
I've been down here before. And I know the way out. I feel like these days I am forever hearing from people that we need to do everything we can to get other people to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. As if people are just wandering around aimlessly looking for something to give meaning to their lives. And so long as they open up their hearts, Jesus can just jump right in. That it's all on them to open the door for the Lord. And the problem with that is that Jesus is the King who comes to us. Not the other way around. We get trapped in this pit of believing that we've got to go looking for Jesus when Jesus is the one looking for us. Our Lord is the one who finds us wandering around the pit of our sorrow and jumps in to show us the way out. Jumping in, after all, is the whole story of the Bible. God saw what God had made in Genesis and jumped down in the garden to make humanity in the divine image. God saw Jacob wrestling in his relationships and his identity and jumped down to wrestle with him by the banks of the Jabbok River. God saw the suffering of God's people in Egypt and jumped down to call Moses from a burning bush. God saw the directionist plight of his people and jumped down to anoint David to rule as king. God saw the brokenness of the world and jumped down to take on flesh as a baby born in a manger. Our Lord is the King who jumps down into the pit of our existence and offers us hope. I've only been here a very short while, two weeks, but I've already seen plenty of signs of hope in this church and in this community. Complete strangers in my neighborhood have introduced themselves simply because I'm a new face. Employees at particular businesses have gone above and beyond to be kind and welcoming, and a certain someone gave a bouquet of roses to my wife last week. (laughs) Do you know what it does to a man when another man gives roses to his wife? (laughs) Thanks, Leo. (laughs) But there's hope everywhere. Even from where I'm staying this morning, I see hope. I see a church filled with individuals whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. And I don't even know many of your names, but I know that God has showed up in your life. I know that God has acted. I know that God has delivered you from pit after pit, because otherwise, you wouldn't be here. From where I stand, I see a church that's not built on demographics and like-mindedness. I don't see a church consumed by consumption or driven by desire. I don't see a church fixated on financial matters and obsessed with objectives. I see a church with different opinions but similar love. I see a church of faith and a fellowship. I see a church of love and of hope. Yesterday, my wife and I and our son Elijah came over here for the flea market and we tried to sneak in like a thief in the night as if we were just normal people from this community. But we hadn't even been here 10 seconds before we were ousted by the likes of one of you (laughs) as the preacher and his wife and his baby. And so I went around, I interacted with the church folk and the lay folk from from the community and I was blown away. Because our parking lot was filled with people yesterday. And it wasn't based on this being our building and we're serving the needs of the people here. It looked like something completely natural. 
It looked like the church interacting with the world. It looked like people were being the hands and the feet of Jesus right out there on the other side of those windows. I saw conversations erupting forth from complete strangers. I saw church folk in their day-glow fluorescent shirts interacting with people that they might not ever talk to. I walked around our parking lot yesterday and I was filled with nothing but hope. And we, we who say we follow Jesus, we are prisoners of hope. We look out at the broken and shattered world around us as an opportunity to be put back together. We don't limit our vision of the man on the street corner based to his economic situation. We don't see the young teen loitering at 7-Eleven as a criminal. We don't see the loud neighbor on our street as a threat to our security. We instead are prisoners of hope. We believe in the goodness of all people, even when they try to prove the contrary. We are prisoners of hope. Because we're not obsessed with this being an institution or a building. Because our hope is not in ourselves. It's not in me as your pastor. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the one who finds us in the pit and shows us the way out. As prisoners of hope, we are captivated more of, by the optimism of what if than by it's too late. We are held in bondage to the belief that we are more than the mistakes of our past, that we are more than the pain of the present, that we are even more than the unknown of the future. We are prisoners of hope. Our hope is in Jesus, who is victorious over the powers of this world and even over the power of of death. Our hope is in the Lord. This was my first full week here at the church, and I was completely wrong about what to expect. I figured that all of you knew that I would be overwhelmed by having to move here and unpack all of my belongings at home and in the office and that we have an infant. I thought that you all would know that it would take time for me to adjust to the community. I assumed that you all would leave me alone for a couple weeks. <laughs> but one by one, you kept showing up at my office this week as if I'm your pastor. <laughs> Let me tell you, you've had your questions question after question, and I tried my best to field them, to answer them appropriately. I listened to your thoughts. I listened to your reflections. I even listened to your advice and your demands. But if you came by my office this week, you know that I won't let you leave without asking one question of my own. Why Cokesbury Church? There is a plethora of churches here in the Woodbridge community, churches of all shapes and sizes and worship styles. So of all the churches in this place, why do you choose to worship at this place? Well, I've just been going here as long as I can remember. You know, the people are just so friendly. Somebody signed me up for the flea market and I've been coming back ever since. I've enjoyed answer after answer because those answers have given me a slice of what this church is really like. But there is one person who came by this week who said something that has stuck with me ever since. I won't say who it was, but someone from this church came by this week 
And I asked him or her why she or he comes to this church, and they thought about it for a moment before answering. I was lost, and Jesus found me in this place. Notice, the person didn't say, I was lost and I found Jesus here. They said, Jesus found me here. All of us have been lost at one point or another. We've fallen into pits that we simply could not escape on our own. We've been burdened by financial fears or relationship woes or employment uncertainty. We've felt suffocated by limited direction or unending loneliness or deep despair. We've been bullied or belittled or berated, but Jesus found us and guided us out. Thanks be to God that we are shackled as prisoners of hope. Thanks be to God that the Lord has delivered us from a faulty and limited vision of what can be. Thanks be to God that the Lord has made a way where there was no way. The promise of our hope, the hope that we are all held captive by, the hope that we are stuck with is the restoration of all people and of all things. Because, friends, there is victory in Jesus. Victory over powers and principalities that are bent on holding us down. Victory over the steep walls that feel inescapable. Even victory over death. I don't know what most of you are going through right now. I don't know what's keeping you awake at night or what's driving you crazy whenever you turn on the television. I don't know what causes your fist to clench up in anger. I don't know what you're afraid of, what you're missing, or what you need. I don't even know where you've been, where you are, or where you're going. But I know that Jesus will never leave us abandoned. I know that Jesus jumps down into the miry bog of our lives and he says, I've been here before, and I know the way out. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.